Can I be honest? This sounds really cruel, but I've just been praying that everybody that was going to skip church today for Memorial Day weekend, that it would just pour down raining. Just pour down. Is that bad? Is that, is that mean? Is that bad? Yeah, but apparently we have a, a, a random satanic cold thing came in yesterday. 50 degrees in June. Is that normal for Ohio? Is, I don't know. That's not normal. Um, hey, question for you. Has anyone here ever had like a really bad first day at a new job? Anyone? I, I, I've, so I, I've lived in a few different states and cities. I've, I've lived in Greenville, South Carolina. I lived in Buenos Aires, Argentina for a little while. I lived in Lexington, Kentucky, Atlanta, Georgia. And, and for whatever reason, I feel like every time I've gone to a new place, something weird's happened. Part of it has to do with weather. That's a talk for another time. Uh, but also, I've had some first days of work that were really weird. I'll, I'll never forget my first day, you know, when I moved to Lexington, Kentucky, I was working. I've told this story before. Any of you that remember this store called The Buckle at the mall? Okay, okay. I'm aging myself. A few of you, nope. But I remember when I moved to Lexington, Kentucky, my first couple of years, uh, I was an assistant manager at, at The Buckle. And my first day of work, I was just so paranoid about getting there late that I was just rushing, to be honest, faster than I usually drive. And, I, and I was, as I was pulling into the mall parking lot, I accidentally just cut somebody off. And I mean, it was bad. Like we almost wrecked. They honked the horn. I waved, said, I'm so sorry. And, um, and I, I, you know, I, I come into the parking lot and, and I park and I'm sitting on the bench. I'm like, oh, finally, you know, I made it. I'm, I'm, I'm early to my first day of work. And in walks this lady that says, well, nice first day. You almost just killed me. And I thought, this is, this is not how you want to start your first, day, your first day of work. Well, when I moved here to Columbus, Ohio, to join the team here at X Church, I had something even kind of, I don't know if it's worse, but yeah, worse happened. Uh, I had yet to bring the U-Haul and move into the apartment and, and all that good stuff. But I had I'd flown back up here a couple times from Atlanta. And one of the last times, right before I actually moved up here permanently, I flew up for a kind of core staff retreat. The, looking back on it, it was a really pivotal weekend where we dreamed and planned for the future, cast vision, you know, wrote out core values, standards, all these kind of things. And so we got a hotel, you know, I don't know, about an hour away. We were, you know, staying in all these rooms, about 15, 20 of us. And we would get up from, I don't know, 8 or 9 a.m. till about 6 p.m. that night. And I'm just talking about pray, dream, ride on the dry erase board. And so... The unthinkable happened to me. Uh, my alarm didn't go off. And they're, they're all, come to find out, in the room, the boardroom, the conference room, getting ready to pray. They have a guitar out about to worship. They're, they're getting ready for the day. And one of them pipes up and says, hey, where's Pastor Russ? And Pastor Trey, who was my roommate, I'm going to throw him under the bus. He, never, he did not wake me up. Did not wake me up. And, and unfortunately for me, but fortunately for you today, Memorial Day weekend people, they caught some low-quality footage on camera. And I just thought you might appreciate it.
there. I was like, <laughs> stay down there. No snorting. It's a serious business. No snorting. <laughs> Wake up, brother. You're not dreaming. <laughs> oh, good morning. <laughs> that, yeah. I'm so glad that you enjoyed that. So if you've ever had a really, you know, bad first day of work, I hope that that just encourages you and just spurs you on to go all into the future that God has for you and the goodness he has planned. <laughs> but as embarrassing as that is, um, you know, why did I tell that? I don't know. Um, the reason, as embarrassing and funny as it is, that I couldn't shake the thought as I thought about that story and I thought about the series and I, and I thought about the whole point of of today, I, I just unfortunately couldn't shake the thought that that may describe the picture of what happens a lot of times in these moments, in these settings as a body and as a church. That if you think about it, the room that they had was set. Everything that was needed was on the table. There was a mission to accomplish that day. There was an, a vision to execute. The guitar was out. Worship was out. The church, or I guess you could say the leaders, were there present. There were things that were going to move forward that day. There was a word from God that Pastor Tim was going to share. There was vision to cast. And I was in the building all along, but I was asleep. And the whole goal, just so you know, this whole series of the church there's this verse where God says to his people, he says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise, for the glory of the Lord is rising on you. It, it, it is a tragic thing to think that you can be one of God's people and sleepwalk through your life. It, it's a really tragic thing to think. And so the, the goal of this, I don't care if it's your first day at church, online, in the room. I don't care if you've been coming to this church for 15 years. My prayer is that just possibly the Spirit of God was so explode inside some of our hearts that some of us may realize I've been coming for 10 years, and I've been in the room while songs are being sung, and the Word is going out, and vision is being cast, and a mission is being advanced. And I've been in the building, but I've been asleep to the assignment and the mission and the 
mantle that is on my life, that anybody in this room, you are, by the way, just as called and anointed as me or Pastor Tim or anybody and staff to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to change the world. And could it be possible that many people that sit in churches week after week have fallen for the lie that church is something you go and attend instead of something you're assigned to be 24-7, to change the world? Because, you know, we've, we've been looking at the last couple weeks of the church, and if you've missed it, I encourage you to go back and watch it. Pastor Tim talked about in week one that Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell won't stop it. And we took a look at how through history, the word church has kind of been hijacked and it's become this, this concept of something you go to instead of what Jesus implemented, which is the ecclesia, which literally means the called out ones, that literally the way Jesus first talked about the church was a community called out for mission. That it wasn't an institution as much as it was supposed to be a movement and a story to be swept up into. It was not supposed to be an organization you belong to, but an organism that is alive and breathing and moving and sweeping across the ends of the world. That the church, so Jesus said, he said, look, I'm going to build my church. What I have started on this earth, healing and casting out demons and preaching the gospel and bringing the kingdom down, I am going to pay for the sins of all the world. Anybody thankful? I am going to pay the debt that everybody else couldn't pay. I am going to come to life again from the grave. I am going to ascend, and I'm going to send the Spirit down, and the Spirit is going to come on people and in people. And the same thing that I've been doing in the world, the Spirit is now going to do in and through them to carry on my mission. In fact, the reason the book of Acts is called the book of Acts is it literally is short form for the Acts of the Apostles. What Jesus began in the Gospels, he continues through me and you. And so then we found out last week that that began, the church was officially born on the day of Pentecost, that Jesus told his disciples after he'd been on earth for 40 days, go and wait in Jerusalem. Go back, go to an upper room and wait up there, pray, and I'm going to send down the Holy Spirit. It's going to fill you. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And what happened on this day of Pentecost, this day where Jews from all over the world had gathered back in Jerusalem for this, this feast of weeks, the Holy Spirit exploded onto the scene. They were all filled with the Spirit. They began to speak in other languages. And supernaturally, all these people that were around that region that spoke other languages heard the works of God in their language. The church was born in that day. Peter preached the first message of the church. 3,000 people were saved, got baptized, and were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the movement of Jesus has been exploding ever since. And... You know, in the end of Acts chapter 2, we see some beautiful things beginning to happen. We see that um, it says the, the believers, they were constantly in each other's homes. They were constantly having community and hanging out and talking about Jesus. They were constantly taking communion, saying, do you remember him? Do you remember what it was like that one time that this happened? Do you remember what it was like? And they were praying together. And the Bible says, isn't this powerful, that daily people were being added to the church and their lives were being radically changed forever for Jesus. Isn't it exciting? It, it, it excites me. Do you want to see another video? I'm not showing you another video. Um, and so then we, we wrap up Acts 2, and then I want to look at Acts chapter 3. That's where we're at in the journey 
today, and I want to say this again. I just hope, man, during this series, on your own time, read through Acts. It is exciting. Here's, here's what I personally love about Acts. Uh, I love the Gospels, but Acts is the only, um, in our era of Jesus having ascended back to heaven, narrative, story, book of narrative uh, style in the New Testament. And it's really, really exciting. This is Acts chapter 3. And uh, if you don't have scripture, if you don't have a Bible with you or your phone with you, uh, we're going to have it on the screen. But this, it says this in Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. So a little context. There was at that time, it's still actually here today in, in the Middle East, it's the Temple Mount and it's a really contested place, just like a lot of places in Israel are. In fact, all three major world religions in the Middle East uh, consider this a holy place. Uh, Muslims, Christians, and Jews consider this place, the Temple Mount, a holy place. And uh, during those times, for, for a while, there were specific moments fixed that Jews and then Christians would pray at. You see this in the book of Daniel. He would pray three specific times a day. You see David do this in Psalm 55. And then for the first couple centuries through the second century A.D., a lot of Christians would do this too. And so this was three in the afternoon. Apparently they, this was a time that they would pray. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. This was the East Gate of the Temple Mount. It was nicknamed the Golden Gate of Temple Mount. So you have the Golden Gate in San Francisco, the Golden Gate Bridge. This is the Golden Gate of this ancient temple. And it says, uh, where he was put, this man who was lame, was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. He apparently knew where to stay to get money. He knew where some of the Christians would be walking every day. He knew the generosity of Christians, so he made sure his friends carried him there every day. And this is a man, I want, you, I want us to catch this, that has two really bad things going against him. He has no money, and he has been crippled. This man from birth has never walked. So he's in the most desperate state, you can imagine. And it says this. It says where he was put every day to beg from those going to the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Isn't that awesome? Now, preachers would call this text a gold mine. Because there's so much goodness in there that we could, we could literally sit in this text, honestly, for a year. And over, we'll probably sit in this text in, today for a couple hours. <laughs> I mean, there's so, there's so many directions you could go. You could talk about, if you've been around this church for a while, you probably, you, 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 probably the, the first two words stood out to you one day. Anybody been around this church long enough to remember the one day principle? You know, a lot of churches talk about this principle that, by the way, this is why, can I just, can anybody that's a servant leader that serves in this house, can you just raise your hand? Can we just give it up for every servant leader in the house? 
Can I tell you why people serve at this church? Is because one day they had an encounter with God. Anybody remember the one day, like you've been coming to church for a while, but one day God changed it all? But what's easy to forget, it's easy once that happens then to walk into church and let it be just some other day. But what we try to remember as staff and as servant leaders is this, this may be just another day for somebody, but this is somebody's one day. This is somebody's one day where everything's going to change and the addiction's going to be broken and their life's going to be redirected and, and their marriage may be put back together and hope may come back into their life. Today's somebody's one day. Or we could talk about the emphasis that Peter and John put, or Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, puts on the name of Jesus. Did you notice how many times he said, I didn't, Peter and John didn't do this in their name, like they're just super spiritual. Maybe you're reading this, you're like, man, I just wish I could be that spiritual. It's not that they were super spiritual, it's that they've been filled with the Spirit, and it was in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the anointed one, the, the one they'd been waiting for centuries to come and save the world. It was in the power of the name of Jesus, and we could talk for a few minutes about how no matter what you're facing, there is a name that is greater than every struggle you and I are walking through today. The name of Jesus still has power. We, we, we could talk about how they didn't focus on what they didn't have, but they gave them what they had. The, the guy asked for money. And they're like, look, we don't have it. We could talk about God telling Moses, what's in your hand? The, Jesus telling the disciples, just bring us the little loaves and bread that you do have, and I can multiply it. He didn't give him what he didn't have. and gave him what he had. Can I tell you what really excites me is at the end of it, it says that people saw this same lame man and said, isn't that the same man? See, what I love is some of you right now are so discouraged because you feel like you'll never change. But what's going to really impact your family and your friends is one day people are going to look at you and say, isn't that the same guy that used to? Isn't that the same girl that used to? Isn't that the same person that used to be always negative, that used to be addicted, that used to be hopeless? But they're going to say, but something's happened. And now they're completely different. But I don't want to talk about any of that. <laughs> Sorry. You know, you got to indulge me every once in a while when I get excited. And you just better buckle up. It's going to be one of those days. Lock the doors. We, w here's what I want to focus on just for a moment. I want to focus on what I believe. And, and I know this, you may think this is preacher talk. This is exaggeration. This is hyperbole. I want to offer a lifestyle possibility for you and I that I really believe if we'll onboard it, will change everything about the world inside of us and the world around us. And it is what I, the more I just thought about this chapter, this, this text, is what I would call the fill and spill lifestyle. I, I want to talk for a moment about how what God, how God changed their world by filling them in Acts chapter 2 so that they could change the world by spilling out of them in Acts chapter 3. That Jesus, you know, I, I could feel the tension in the room last week when we, when we talked about the Holy Spirit. By the way, we're creating labs. We're creating all kind of stuff that in, in, in weeks and months to come, we're going to have opportunities to go through small groups and, and, and discuss and explore some of these topics about the Holy Spirit. But there's a verse before Jesus ascended where he's with his disciples and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But in Acts chapter 1 and 2, Jesus said, but in Jerusalem, in the upper room, you're not just going to be given a measure of the Holy Spirit. You're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He actually said, wait, because you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was in Israel in 2017, and there, there was this 
um, I've heard Pastor Tim talk about this. You know, sometimes when you're a pastor, you don't really tell everybody what you do, you know. <laughs> and so I didn't tell anybody on that trip what I did because sometimes people get weird. <laughs> and they either get weird and just want to go into super Christianese talk, you know. Oh, you're a pastor? Man, I've seen the latest um, movie, and I just love Jesus, bless the Lord. And it's like, we can, let's, can we still be normal? <laughs> or, you know, like, or they've had a bad taste in their mouth, and they just, you know, write you off. And so, but there was this guy, this really tall Catholic guy, and I love, we have so many Catholics and former Catholics in our church. But he, he asked me, he said, can we go on our off day to the Jordan River, and I would just be honored if you would baptize me. And it was like, I mean, it was one of the privileges of my life, and, and we ended up having a few people on the trip be baptized. And, and he told me, he said, but you know, I'm, I'm cat. And, he actually, and this, was, this was the weird part. He actually told me, he said, I don't know how I know this, but I've just felt in my spirit that you're a pastor, aren't you? And I was like, come on, why did you? But I was like, I am. And so he asked me to do this, but he said, but you know I'm Catholic, which means you gotta, um, you, you got to sprinkle the water on me. And this is, this is not picking on, I was raised Presbyterian where they did this. This is not picking on any. But I just kind of tongue-in-cheek because we kind of built this fun relationship. I said, you do know what the word baptism means in the Greek, right? It means baptizo, which means to immerse. I said, so you're going under. <laughs> and he said, all right, that's fine, priest more. And, um, and uh, so when Jesus talks about baptizing the Holy Spirit, what he's saying is when you're saved, you get a measure of the Spirit but he doesn't just want us to have a measure of the Spirit. He wants to immerse us in the Spirit. And why? Jesus told us why. So that we might have power to be witnesses. He wants you and me to be filled so that we might overflow and spill. And I can promise you, this is what happened that day with Peter and John. I can promise you, Peter and John did not start in a staff meeting that morning and say, you know what would be really, really cool? I'll tell you what's going to be really, really cool. On Tuesday, you know that person that's always by the gate? They're going to wait there. We're going to have Janice hiding out in the bushes. And right as we walk around side, she's going to start playing the pad. It's going to get really spiritual. It's going to be really, really cool. We're going we're to have some of our photographers ready just to capture it in the moment. It's going to be amazing. About that time, Pastor Kevin's going to be leading a rally right over by the West Gate. They're going to be getting really, really pumped. And just watch it. As we go by, the camera's going to zoom in, and I'm going to say something really cinematic like silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I'll give you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. And it's going to be amazing. Everybody's going to clap. Steve's going to get it on camera. We're going to show a playback video the next week in slow motion, and it's going to be amazing. No, what happened was Peter and John walked down the same main street past Brewdog on the way to church that they had always done. And they had the same problems, the same circumstances, the same difficulties, the same issues, the same external things attacking them. The only thing different was now they'd been filled. They'd been filled with power. They'd been filled with something new. So this time when they walk the same old streets, walk in the same old job, go into the same old routine, driving the same old car, they bumped into the same old man. But now the something new that had filled them spilled out of them and onto him, and it changed everything for his life. And can I just tell you, some of us, the reason that Christianity has become stale and boring to you is you may, maybe you and I have settled for a visit and attend religion instead of a fill and spill adventure. And I, I, want, I want to read this verse to you. This is, and I just want us to ask, does this look like our life? This is Romans 8, 15. The message translation says this. It says, this resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's, I love these two words, it's adventurously expectant. 
greeting God with a childlike, what's next? Can I just tell you, that is the mantle on your life and my life. Not that every day is gonna be amazing, not that every day you're gonna feel bubbly, not that every day you're gonna be on a spiritual high, but the overall arc of our lives is to continually be filled with the, because the Bible says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave is alive inside of you. But can I just tell you what I think happens when life and disappointment happens? Is that if we're not careful, I, I'll just be vulnerable straight up. For me, I, I've had times in the past, I don't know, a few years where if I'm not careful, disappointment will hit and I'll lose the what's next in my spirit. Uh, my what's next will be replaced by a, I guess now. You ever had that? Like, you used to be like, man, I can't wait to see what God does next. I can't wait to see what the future holds. And enough disappointment hits. And if you're not careful, I know I've had seasons where I'm like, well, I guess now this is my lot. I guess now I'll just have to deal with the fact that, I guess now I'll just have to face. And can I just, this is, I know this sounds really just spiritual, but I just, for my life, I can tell you when the wind of the Spirit begins to blow on my life again, God changes dread into expectation again. And I think that part of expectation and hope and a fresh what's next getting back into our spirits is to step back into the adventure God intended for us to live. That this moment on Sunday mornings, did you know that Paul said in Corinthians, I'm rambling. Is that okay? I'm just going to ramble for a minute. Can I share my heart for a moment? Is that okay? I mean, I guess you don't really have a choice, but did you know Paul said in Corinthians that those in formal ministry, vocational ministry, their job is to equip the church for the works of ministry? So did you know in this moment, unless you don't know Jesus, if you know Jesus in this room, this moment, actually my assignment is not to minister to you. My assignment is to equip you that you may go minister the rest of the week. So that you and I would see ourselves with a calling as we, as we go back into our workspace, we go back into schools, we go back into our spheres where you will see people that no one else will see. And so uh, I, I want to look at three really, really practical ways to live in f- a fill and spill. I'm going to skip the quote next. To, to, to live a fill and spill lifestyle. Are you with me? Tell your neighbor, say, we'll, we'll make it. Not too much longer. Number one, three observations on how to, this is how we change the world, to live a, a spill and fill kind of lifestyle. Number one is really, really insultingly simple. Just stay full, stay filled. John 10.10, 10 said, Jesus says, the thieves come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Did you know your calling is to be full? Your calling is not to be empty. Your calling is not to, uh, to, to live life weak and, and, and anemic. Um, and it's not just to be filled with the Spirit once. I love this. This is Ephesians 5.18, the, the CJB translation. Anybody know what the CJB translation stands for, by the way? I don't either. Okay, this is, <laughs> sorry, this is it. It says, don't get drunk with wine because it makes you lose control. control. Instead, keep on being filled with the Spirit. In other words, can I tell you one of the greatest priorities you, you and I can make in life is just to stay full. And I don't, and by the way, I don't just mean spiritually. Like, you know when you're emotionally full, don't you? Can I tell you, I, I can tell when, when, when I walk into rooms, and unfortunately, I, I'm pretty sure the people I lead and the people I work with, they can tell when I'm full and when I'm not full. And, and 
the, I, I've just, I've realized over my life the most loving thing I can do is just to make sure I stay full. That, that, that I stay each day that I find ways to get under the flow of God's word, under the flow of his presence, under the, the, around the right kind of people to where I stay full. And can I just tell you this is uh, just a little bit of a challenge to think about and it will probably maybe step on your toes as much as it steps on my toes. By the way, our spilling is telling. <laughs> In other words, what spills out of you is a pretty direct indicator of what is filling up inside of you. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, you, ever, you ever had coffee on a Sunday morning? And don't point if somebody does this, but can I just be honest? You, you ever just had a cup of coffee on a Sunday morning? It doesn't have a cap on it. And you know those people, you, you know the really aggressive backslappers? Are you that person? You, you know what I mean? And you got a coffee, and they're just like, hey, brother. And you're just like, dear God, I, I okay, uh, sorry. <laughs> you know, like, I just, and like all of my holiness goes out the window in that moment. Like, I had holiness. Like, I'm just like, oh, I'm going to pour this hot coffee on top of your head. That's what I want to do, brother. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> here's the thing. If this cup is full of water and I bump into you, what's going to spill out of it? Water. Whatever spills out of you is just an indicator of what's in you. There, there, I'm not going to name it by name, but there's this kind of like fast food, like assembly line place just down the road. And some of you immediately know what I'm talking about. They have just hit rough times over the last couple months because they don't have any workers inside. You have to do like an online ordering before you go in. And it takes about an hour, two hours. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not going to call, you know, throw the place under the bus. But uh, it's just they've, they've hit rough times. And I, I, I went a couple weeks ago and I was like, okay, online I can't even order the drink that I want. And I have this bad habit lately. I'm not a big soft drink person where I've been, just been doing a lot of Diet Cokes. And I, um, so I couldn't order Diet Coke. So I asked the person when I went in to pick up my burrito, uh, Burger King, <laughs> whatever it is. I went in and, I, was, and uh, I, said, I said, hey, can I have a Diet Coke? I just would like a drink with this. And they said, sure. And they handed me. And I put my cup under the Diet Coke and out came Orange Fanta. And that was the moment I just, I give up. I give up. I tossed the, you know, the cup. I, I walked out. But let me... <laughs> Let me ask you a question. What, what flows out when someone presses your buttons? <laughs> uh oh, it's right. <laughs> like, what? Like, what are you filled with? Can, yeah, can, and look, I, I meet some people sometimes. Can I tell you what they're filled And this is not a judgmental thing. I don't know what else they are, but I, I bump into some people, or can I just be honest? I, I made the mistake for the first time in six months of sneaking back onto Facebook for a few moments, and I. I can't help but think some people, man, the main thing they're filled with is opinion. <laughs> what, what are you filled with? What? What's? <laughs> I hit a, that's Russ Roth. It's called hitting a nerve. Um, what flows out of you when people bump into you? Like, what are you filled? What are you filling yourself with? And a, a good litmus test is this: if you were to take the if I were to stretch the analogy and take the soda machine of your life and start hitting the buttons, the Bible says if you're filled with the Spirit, there's a few things that are going to flow out. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Could it be the most powerful thing you and I could ever do is to stay full of the Spirit so that the right things may spill out of us and onto the world around us? I can tell you the most loving thing you and I. I remember um, a couple years ago I was, I was writing, because I'm not the most organized person by, innately by nature and 
So I, ha- I, I probably go overboard. I complicate things. I have like Evernotes, iNotes, iCal. I'm, I'm, I'm like planning my week and I'm just put, I mean, just chock full, want to be productive. And I'm not that crazy spiritual person that hears God audibly or always thinks, but I'm telling you, just as clear as day, I felt like I heard the Holy Spirit just whisper to my heart, Russ, the most important thing this week is not for you to have a full calendar, but a full spirit. That that the most important thing is not for you to have a a to-do list that's full, but a soul that's full. And I've noticed there's been weeks where I may not have legalistically performed as well as I wanted to and hit 9,000 things in my performance meter, but there were weeks when I came full into every room because I've noticed, I won't speak for you, when my, soul, when my tank is weak and empty, I tend to go into rooms and need things from people. Anybody notice when you're weak and empty, you need people's validation, you need, but when you're full, you go into a room not to take but to give. Because you're already full, so you have plenty left over to serve and to joyfully, and you don't need anything from anybody. Is this helping anybody? What does it just look like to stay full? Number two, what does it look like to see people? They weren't just full, but the Bible says that they saw, it says Peter looked directly at him as did John. And can I just tell you something I want to continue to do for the rest of my life is learn how to see people. You, you, it's, it's hard to spill onto something you can't see. And I want to be the person that when I see someone, I don't care if it's race, I don't care if it's religion, I don't care if it's, hey, here's, since, you know, we're hitting nerves, here's something to ask. When, when that certain person comes on the news or on TV, do you first think, oh, it's that crazy liberal or that stupid Republican, or do you first have an awareness that that's a human being made in the image of Almighty God? And one of the things I've been praying, and to be honest, when God answers it, it hurts because, um, and I, I don't know how to say this without saying, I, I just know that as many things as I have to grow in and get better at, as many flaws I have, I have felt God over the years answer a prayer to deepen my empathy. And I can tell you there's moments it hurts. I'll be walking, I'll see somebody walking down the street and just the awareness, that is somebody with fears and hopes and dreams just like me. That, that is someone that, that, and sometimes it's the people that are across the world that you don't see. Sometimes it's the people you're so close to that they become too familiar, and they're the people that you have to ask God, help me see them. I want to see the person that gives me coffee through the window as not a robotic machine that is performing something, but that's a human being that may need the hope and the love of Jesus today. What does it look like to learn to see people? And then number three, what does it look like? If we're going to live a fill and spill lifestyle to stay full, see people, and step out. The Peter and John were full. They looked at the man. They saw the man. And this, this, this by the way, is another evidence that Peter had been filled with the Holy Spirit. Because keep in mind, this is the same Peter that was stumbling all over himself for three years with Jesus, kept putting his foot in his mouth, kept screwing up, kept messing up. This is the same Peter 
that he may have looked this man in the eyes on that day, but he wouldn't even look the middle school girl by the campfire several nights ago when he denied that he even knew Jesus and betrayed him three times. But now this same Peter that couldn't even look her in the eye, this same Peter that was a coward is now filled with courage because the Spirit of God has filled him. And when the Spirit of God fills you, you are filled with both boldness and a supernatural love for people. And you'll be full, you'll see people, and you'll step out. So what does it look like practically to step out? I, I think a few things, if I were going to put a couple of practicals. Number one, you've just got to learn to see yourself in a new light. What if for the next 21 days, because they say 21 days makes a, a new habit. Is that right, Jared Carr? 21 days makes a new habit. What if for the next 21 days... On the way to your job, on the way to school, you reminded yourself, I'm not someone going there today to just survive. I'm not, I'm not primarily the employee. I'm not primarily a student. I'm not primarily a coworker. I am primarily an ambassador of Jesus with an assignment I am carrying into every room. What would shift if that mindset shift took place? Because as a man thinks, so he is. Whatever you think you are is what you'll walk out. What if, you, what if you and I received our assignment today? That we are the hands and feet of Jesus. How would we walk into every room? And then number two, set the tone. It's been said a million times, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And this may sound really way too practical, but don't, don't invite people to church and tell them how much Jesus changed your life if you're a jerk to them. Man, that, man, that's, that's, the air got really tight in that moment. Did you see that? Did you feel that? I felt that. Put that on the, the meter. And there, um, I, I want to be the, I heard somebody say it this, this way one time, lead with character and kindness and then let your story follow. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean, I'll tell you just some really practical stuff. Be the person that works harder than anybody on the team. Be, be, be the person that treats people with kindness. Be that weird person that refuses to complain about the boss. Be that person that, that there is a winsomeness, a graciousness, a kindness. When everybody else is freaking out, there's a calm about you. When everybody else is saying the world's going to hell in a handbasket and all those crazy Republicans and all those stupid liberals and all this blah, 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 you're that person. Hey, can we not just walk in a more wise, peaceful path? Be that person. And I'll tell you practical, I, th- again, this is not, back padding because I have my moments. Let me tell you something. I, I can be really spiritual one moment, but somebody cuts me off on 33. Jesus has still got some work to do in me. But can I tell you that there's this, um, I'm going to brag on Massey's. There's Massey's, this pizza place right over here. And I've been going a couple times a week to get, let me tell you, this will change your life this week. Get If anybody is you know trying to do keto or low carb or whatever, keto, cauliflower pizza from Massey's, do the white pizza with no olives, add light bacon, and do, do a cup of ranch. Don't let them give you the little packets of ranch. They always do that, but you can't really dip it in it. Make sure they give you the cups of ranch. You dip it on that, have that with a LaCroix, and call it a night. Life changes. But I just, I'm a former server. Anybody restaurant business or you were, used to work in restaurant business? Well, we got a few. We got a few. Can I just say this? If you're a Christian, don't be a crappy tipper. I'm just stepping all over us today. You say, well, they, they got my food late. Uh, to me, I look at tipping. Tipping is not about their performance. It's about my witness. 
And I've just decided, again, this isn't bragging on me, I've just decided I'm going to be that person that tips 20% even on carryout and to go because my, you know, you know my secret, my secret hope is that one day somebody's going to say, hey, that guy's actually a pastor. He's actually a Christian. And they're going to say, you mean the, the, the delivery tipper? The guy that we've all come to realize tips us really well, even when it's takeout. The guy that still smiled at us every time when when he came in. I thought there was something different about him. You mean he's a Christian? Because look, I used to be a server in a restaurant. And can I tell you, they all hated Sundays because they knew Sundays was a day that Christians were hard and difficult and would tip low. I will help us. Let me tell you. I like you. I, I want to be the person that, that stays full, sees people, sets the tone, and then steps out. At some point, you got to take a risk. At some point, you got to say, I know I'm full of the Spirit, and I see you now, and I don't really know how all this is going to go, but I kind of feel in this moment that God wants to do something in your life. So in the name of Jesus, get up. I, really practical thing. I'd encourage you to pray. I'll never forget. I was with a couple at... Uh, Cheesecake Factory, God bless it, about a year and a half ago. I may have told this story before. I don't know. And I was with this couple that had done some work for us on the floors. And, and I, it was in one of those moments. You, you know, one of the, I love being a pastor. One of the things that's, that's interesting, though, is you kind of feel like you always have, like if you ever have a moment, like I have introverted moments, but if you ever have that moment, you kind of feel bad. You're like, yes, Jesus is alive and full of joy. And I smile every moment. It's true. Um, <laughs> but I'm human, you know, um, but it was one of those nights, but I just, I was there. And one of the things I've tried to get more in the habit of praying is Holy Spirit. Is there anything you want to say that to encourage the people I'm with? Maybe you pray that this week as you go into work. Holy Spirit, is there anything you want to speak to me to encourage the people I'm with? And, uh, I was with this couple and I knew the man, I didn't really know the wife and I didn't know anything about their family, anything about their children. But I just felt impressed to ask the wife, hey, do you have a daughter? And I didn't say, thus saith the Lord. As a prophet of the Most High, I have a word that I would like to. No, I just, you know, it's okay to be a Christian and normal. You know? I just said, hey, this may sound odd. Do you you have a daughter that, I don't know, you've just been kind of worried about? And and I didn't know why I was asking her that and not, hey, do you two, because they were married, do you two have a daughter? But I asked, I felt like I was supposed to ask her and come to find out that she had had a daughter from a previous relationship marriage and she'd been so just consumed with worry and concern. And in that moment, the hard shell in her broke and it gave a moment to speak life. And I don't say that as any, I just say, I think that's the normal way God wants us to live with the power and the voice of the Holy Spirit blowing through us expectant every day, possibly an adventure of God. I wonder what you're going to do next. I wonder what you're going to speak next. I wonder what you're gonna, who you're going to heal next. I wonder what you're going to do. And, and we step out. And so I, I'm closing, but can I just give us as X Church a, an un, uh, how about we do a 10-day unstoppable challenge? Holy Spirit blew the paper off the pulpit. <laughs> what if we do a 10-day Unstoppable challenge. And, and, and here it is. If you're taking notes, if you have a calendar, write this. Spill and fill. And here's the three things I want to encourage you to do every day for the next 10 days. Number one is find a way every day to let God fill you. It doesn't mean every day is going to feel like a million bucks. It doesn't mean that 
Every day is going to be an adventure. Every day is going to be goosebumps. But how do I let God's word, his presence fill me? And maybe you need to root some things out that are drying some things up. But number one, every day, how do I let God fill me? Number two, pray a prayer on the way to work, on the way to school. God, help me to see people today the way you see people. And then number three, pray, pray this throughout the day. Ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you open up opportunities for me to be your hands and feet and give me the courage to step it out? Three things every day. I don't see you writing. Just find a way to stay full. Sassy today, Debbie Smith. Find a way to stay full. Number two, ask God to help you see people. And number three, ask God throughout work, throughout your day, open up opportunities and give me the courage to walk it. Al, would you stand to your feet as we close? Every head bowed, every eye closed. As we've been talking today, maybe you feel like, man, I I love the challenge to be Peter and John, but to be honest, I realize I'm the crippled man on the side of the road, and my soul feels withered for a long time, and I need Jesus today, plain and simple. Out any hesitation, would you raise your hands right where you are? I see several hands raised. Raise them high. That's you. Come on, praise God. Today, right where you are on the side of the road, Jesus sees you, And he can change you right where you are. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer. A prayer doesn't change everything. It's not magic words. But as you turn your heart to God, he can change everything. So if that's you and your hand was raised, I want to ask you to repeat this out loud with me. In fact, can we all just say this as a family? Say, dear God, I come to you as I am. You know all my flaws. You know all my mess-ups. But in this moment... Jesus, I give you my life. I give you all of me. Thank you for dying for me. And I ask you to forgive me of every sin. I turn from my ways to your ways. And I will follow you all the days of my life. Come, Holy Spirit, make me new. Fill me up in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We wanna connect with you and we wanna be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.